Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. I greet you in the name of the Prince of Peace. It is a privilege to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And it seems like it's getting to be more and more that way. What a privilege we have. This morning for a message, I'd like for you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. While you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. What do you fear most? We live in an age of fear. We all have fears. What do you fear? What are you doing about it? Can you do anything about it? Now the text this morning is from 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. We were discussing in our Sunday school class this thing about preaching one verse or a part of a verse. What's interesting that one of our minister study weeks, I think it was Brother Heatwell, was Brother Wendell Heatwell was talking about preaching. And he said, when you get on a subject, you pick out a verse, and he said, you beat that thing, and you beat that thing, and you beat that thing. And that's what I want to do a little bit this morning. However, this is not the only verse I'm going to use, so you can sit back and relax. This verse came to me time and time again in the last nine months. And I want to read here, in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I hope by the time the morning is over, you can memorize that verse and you can take that with you. The spirit of fear. I want to read a newspaper clipping here. This was from the Daily News Record from March 31st of this year. This was written by Scott Hansen in Harrisonburg. And this is what he says about fear. The title of it is Fear is the Real Enemy. We are fighting an enemy that we cannot see. Like the wind, we see its effects, but not its substance. We catch its essence, but we do not see its body. It is not the coronavirus. It is not racial injustice. It is not terrorists or even poverty, although, although these things are. The real enemy is fear. 
We are a fearful people who are prey to the anxieties and insecurities of an uncertain world. As Americans, we have come to expect prosperity, but this is a result of common grace. We are, as a people, perplexed and unsettled when hardships, pestilence, or pandemics strike. These things are inexplicable, incongruent happenings. Comfort can be found in understanding that we are not invulnerable, nor are we unique in our suffering. History teaches us this. Faith, discipline, duty, virtue, patience, humility, and love, especially love, can defeat this most pernicious foe, fear. What do you fear? As a school teacher, you probably fear sick children. You probably fear cleaning up after a child, one way or another. For those who are about driving age, you probably fear failing your driver's test. I've been there. It's not fun because you got to do it again. What do you fear? Notice here, in this verse, God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Now, I'm not going to give you the title to the message right now. I'll give it to you later. But notice here, this word fear, it's the only place in the Bible where this Greek word is used. We have the word fear many times throughout Scripture, but in this way, this is the only way this is used in the Greek. Fear. And it refers to a spirit of fear. There is a difference between having a fear of something and living with a spirit of fear. Now we all have a God-given fear of probably heights, some people more than others close places, claustrophobia. Some of these are God-given fears, natural fears. Fear of burning yourself in a fire. These are all God-given fears. I'm not talking about those type of things. I'm talking about the spirit of fear, that controlling fear that controls you to the point that you can lose your mind. If you don't totally lose your mind, maybe it just makes you do ridiculous things. So where does this spirit of fear come from? Verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. It's interesting that in Luke 1.30, Gabriel said to Mary... Fear not. Don't be afraid. The angel said to the shepherds, which if I read between the lines, it's probably Gabriel, said, fear not. Verse 
In Matthew 10, 28, turn to Matthew 10. I want to read a couple of verses there. But Jesus told his disciples, fear not. Notice what he says here in Matthew 10. I want to start reading verse 28. Jesus was telling his disciples what would happen to them and so on. And as they followed him, and it says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are, not, are all numbered. Fear, not, fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Well, fear is not from God. In fact, if you go to Revelation chapter 21, I want to turn there. Revelation chapter 21, we have that fear will be judged. Revelation 21, verses 7 and 8. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. How serious do we take fear into account? It's listed right with these other sins. The spirit of fear. Fearfulness is a tool of the devil. And the spirit of fear affects itself in many different ways. And I want to say right here that through this whole COVID thing, you know, we probably all think what I'm doing is right. Right? You probably feel that way. Well, I would venture to say, and somebody said this recently, that we probably all have inconsistencies somewhere along the line. Sooner or later, we're going to run into an inconsistency. And a lot of these things are okay if, if it don't affect me. For instance, this last restrictions. And we usually travel over the, over the Christmas holidays, and due to the new restrictions, we won't be going anywhere, okay? I don't want to get a COVID test, and even if I did, that wouldn't help the situation. You know, at one point we thought we were not there for more than 24 hours, we'd be all right, and we were trying to finagle away how we're going to do this and make this all work out, and we thought it was going to work out. But things changed. Spirit of fear. You know, I've seen a lot of people do some really ridiculous things in the last, well, especially back in March and April. Uh, really ridiculous things through this whole ordeal because they were fearful. Fear is the dark room where the devil takes you to develop your negatives. Fear. 
Turn now to Psalm 23. I want to look at the opposite of fear. Psalm 23. Verse 4, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And then verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Fear. The opposite of fear. Also go over to Psalm 27. I want to read here verses 1 through 6. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. What do you do when you are fearful? Do you hang your harps in a willow tree? Or do you sing? Go to the book of John. Notice here. As Jesus was promising, well, we have the promise here of the Holy Spirit coming. I want to read here verses 15 through 18. It says in verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now go down to verses 25 and 26. He says, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, Whatsoever I have said unto you. I think the disciples were probably fearful that Jesus was going to leave them. But he said, I will send the comforter. The one who will be with you. The one who will guide you. And we have that same comforter today. Go now to Acts chapter 2.
Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 39. We have here the results of, pre of Peter's preaching. It says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We are nearing the Christmas season, or we're in, I might say, we're in the Christmas season. And much is said about giving gifts. Do you recognize the Holy Ghost as a gift from God? It wasn't just Jesus in a manger. That's how he came. But we have the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Do we recognize this gift? You know, we could go to James 1.17 and it talks there about every good and every perfect gift is from above. It's from God. He also speaks here of the power. And so I give to you the sermon title today is Gifts of God. Gifts of God. We do not need to fear because God has given us, first of all, the Holy Ghost. The power. He has given us power, as it says there in 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. I want to read from Adam Clark's commentary. I'll refer to this three times here this morning. Speaks of power. He says, but of power to work miracles, to confound enemies, to support us in trials, and to enable us to do that which is lawful and right in his sight. Power. Do we avail ourselves of the powers of the Holy Ghost? And we all like power. And when we don't have power... It's very inconvenient. This summer I was raking hay, and when I needed the power most, the tractor kept cutting out. I was going uphill. The tractor kept cutting out. I'd start going downhill, and it worked fine. Well, to make a long story short, I thought, there might have been dirt in the fuel or something that way. And so I called Sherry and told her to bring me another tractor. Well, in the meantime, I realized, oh, this tractor has two fuel tanks and they're both empty. I didn't take the time to put fuel in it before I left. And sometimes that's how we live our lives. We don't always put fuel in. And so we need the power of the Holy Ghost. Do we appreciate that gift that is given? 
It's already been given. The fuel was in the tank, in the diesel tank, but I hadn't put it in the tractor. Do we appreciate the gift? Or do we take him for granted? Another gift God has given us is that of love. And Adam Clark says this, and of love which enables us to hear, believe, hope, and endure all things and is the incentive to all obedience. The incentive to obedience. We all like incentives, and it, it, it motivates us. Love is the incentive to obedience. John 3.16, God gave us his son so we can give our love to him. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. In other words, show your love by keeping my commandments. We love him by keeping his commandments. Go to 1 John 5. Verses 3 and 4, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. In other words, we show our love by keeping his commandments. Do you trust God? If you love someone, you probably trust them. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here, but is there anybody of you all couples that don't trust each other? If you trust each other, you love each other. If you love each other, you trust each other. Do you trust God? Go to Matthew chapter 8. We have the account here of Jesus calming the storm. And as I read over this, it was like, well, I don't blame the disciples for being fearful. You probably would have too. I probably would have too. But we have the account here in Matthew chapter 8, verses 25 and 26. Well, maybe I'll start with verse 23. It says that when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Now, I'm going to stop there for a minute. If that was you in that ship with Jesus and he was sleeping, what would have you said?
You know, we'd have probably said, well, that's a no-brainer. He was sleeping, and he says, do not be fearful in the midst of a storm. Notice what he says here. It says, then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now go to Mark chapter 4. We have the same account, but Mark uses a little stronger words here. It was actually Jesus' words. Mark chapter 4, verses 39 and 40. It says, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? You know, Matthew records they said little faith. Here Mark says no faith. Your faith is gone. It reminds me of the song. There's a phrase in a song that says, sometimes Jesus calms the storm and sometimes he calms me. Did you ever find yourself in that situation? The third gift that God has given to us is of a sound mind. And I'll read again from Adam Clark. It says, Of a sound mind, of self-possession, according to some, but a sound mind implies much more. It means a clear understanding, a sound judgment, a rectified will, holy passions, heavenly tempers, and a word the whole soul harmonizes in all its powers and faculties, and completely regulated and influenced so as to think, speak, and act aright in all things. I need that. And I imagine you probably do too at times. Think, speak, and act. A sound mind is one that is free from injury or disease, exhibiting normal health, showing good judgment or sense. A sound mind. That is a gift. Did anybody ever tell you to use that thing on top of your head? I've been told that. Use that thing on top of your head. In other words, use common sense. Be logical. You know, I know some people, you could probably light a fire under their tail and they wouldn't hardly move. And then the next person, you hardly strike a match and they'd be out the door. It's just a difference in personalities. I understand that. In fact, one of my cousins, one time their house was burning. And so he went across the road to the neighbor. Or his neighbor invited him over. So he went across the road and Went to bed. Most of us probably wouldn't have slept. 
Well, I think he probably did, more than likely. A sound mind. You know, if you have a will, it probably has a phrase in there, something to the fact that you are declaring that you are of a sound mind. Because you don't want to do things that you later regret if you don't have a sound mind. But God has given us the sound mind. Be logical. I doubt, you know, back in March and April, there was a shortage of a lot of things. But I doubt any one family needed two or three cases of toilet paper in one week. If you did, you better see a doctor. Be logical. Now, I know sometimes we go to town and we see some and we say, well, while I'm here, I'll get, but not three cases. Be logical. You know, we are brotherhood. If you don't have answers to questions, be willing to ask advice. Use the gifts God has given you. Turn to Psalm 37. The psalmist gives us good advice. I want to read here the first part of this psalm. Psalm 37, starting at verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they soon, they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in the way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord they shall inherit the earth. I think I'll stop there. We do not need to fear. We do not need to live in a spirit of fear. Again, that fear that controls us, that fear that, well, you're just fearful. It's not that we're not concerned. It's not that we don't care. But God has given us these gifts. Let's use them to his honor and glory. 
God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In closing, I want to read a poem. It says, How could I face the future? How could I face the future were Christ not real to me? With stormy clouds appearing on land and air and sea. Though I know not the meaning of all mine eyes can see, I know God's ways eternal are always best for me. The darkness may grow darker, but I shall know no fear, for Christ my Lord is with me, his presence is so near. My heart shall not be troubled with all the stress and strife, for God has oft assured me in him is all my life. The foe would have me frightened with what may soon take place, but I shall hide in Jesus and trust his saving grace. And so through all the journey, my hope in him has stayed. My heart will not be troubled, nor will it be afraid.